Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia Apostol, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Oh, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm here with Becky Scott. Hi, Becky. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was just telling Becky that right before getting on this call, I was watching one of her YouTube dance videos and I was like doing my arms and doing the gallop arms and (laughs) it was totally got me so jazzed up for this call. So I'm super thrilled. Um, So Becky, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? So my name is Becky Scott. I am a plus size fitness instructor um, and I run classes called Misfits Workout that are dance-based exercise classes for people who don't feel at home in the gym. Mm. Um, So I've been teaching classes for, well, I qualified three years ago this month. um, And uh, yeah, I've been working as a fitness instructor part-time since then. Amazing. And I love the name Misfits. Is it, is it, like there's a couple of plays on words there. <laughs> How did you find yeah, that? Absolutely. Well, it, yeah, that's exactly it. It's kind of the idea that it's for people who, who are like, I've always thought of myself as being a bit of a misfit, not quite fitting in, um, but yeah. being quite happy in my own little group with the people who I care about. And that's sort of where it came from, really. People that don't really feel like they fit in with the kind of gym bunny kind of uh style um but still want to move their bodies um and yeah a kind of sort of a mixture of all kinds of people and misfits just seemed like the right word it just fitted (laughs) it totally does I love it I love it um (laughs) and so I I love to start by asking guests how they feel and what their relationship is to the word fat because I find it's often been an evolution for people still I I will say I'm very much looking forward to it maybe maybe your kids are the generation where people are like yeah I'm like it's okay there doesn't need to be a whole decades long transformation of acceptance of the word fat and we just like get there but I think we're not there yet so yeah I mean (laughs) I would agree I don't think we're all there yet. Um, So (laughs) I um, have uh, really kind of gotten used to using the word fat to describe my own body over the last kind of probably 10 years or so. Like before that, I was, oh, I was one of those people that was like, oh, I'm fat as a negative kind of thing and all of the connotations that went with it. Uh, Whereas I've started to reclaim it because I saw other people reclaiming it and I thought, that is a sensible thing to do. But I think perhaps I've kind of now got to a point where I've swung a little bit too far that I forget that not everyone is where I am. Right. And so like, I'll be at events talking about being fat. And I had one recently that wasn't, um, it wasn't a plus size body positive kind of crowd. It was um, for um, inspiring, inspiring business women. Oh, <laughs> yes. And I kind of forgot my audience um, and I was using the word fat and um, one of the, um, delegates like delegates could ask questions and that kind of thing and one of them was like can I just interrupt you like I I just want you to know you don't have to keep calling yourself fat like you're not fat like and I was like well I I am actually and it's fine like um and it was weird out of context because I'm so used to speaking to people that are in the circles where that's okay and accepted however like I live in the real world most of the time and understand that not everybody is au fait with that kind of language. So I use fat to describe my own body and I would use fat um, to describe the bodies of people that I know would be happy to be described in that way. Whereas when I am advertising my my classes, I tend to um, refer to plus size bodies when I'm talking about anybody's body other than my own because I feel like people would be unlikely to 
kind of get it. Not everybody is already on their body positive journey when they come to my classes. It's a safe space for people that are still very much in their kind of intentional weight loss phase or um, in their, you know, you don't have to be like, a card carrying body positive fat positive um you know placard carrier in order to feel the benefits of this movement like it's for everybody uh, and so yeah I tried if I'm talking about somebody else I still use the kind of words that are seen to be more palatable by society but um mm-hmm. when I'm talking about my own body I try and make sure that I use the word fat in order to try and help break that stigma and let other people feel more comfortable with it but it it takes a long time um and it's not it's yeah we there's still a long way to go <laughs> right yeah yeah it's so interesting I've thought about that too it's almost like I need permission to call someone else's body fat like they have to give me permission mm. to make sure like that they're okay with it even though I use the word fat like fat 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 like obsessively all the time um and I love that you do use it because you said that's how that's kind of one of the things that jumpstarted your own journey was seeing other people use that phrase right yeah yeah, yeah was absolutely it, was it hard? Like, was it hard? Like, I still kind of remember the early days where I'd be like testing it out, like fat, fat, like, you know, like I would almost be in conversation. Like, do you remember some of those early moments? Well, I think like there was kind of, I can't think, I can't pinpoint a specific thing, but I can remember like the idea of people calling me fat and being ashamed of that. And then one day at some point, somebody called me fat. In fact, they shouted it at me out of a car window. Oh. And rather than like feeling ashamed of it, I just did like a little bow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I thought, I've, that's it. Like it no longer, it no longer like flushes my cheeks and yeah. makes me feel like I'm going to cry. It now makes me think like that I want to like give them an art, a, a hand signal or something oh. like, or uh, like, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm no longer defined by what they think of me do you know what I mean so I can't think of when that happened it wasn't an overnight thing and probably it's not um like you get to a point and then it doesn't affect you anymore there would be days now where if that Mm -hmm. incident had happened it would still be really upsetting for me so it's not like a switch yeah but on those galvanized days when you feel like your best self it (laughs) it wouldn't matter what people were saying I would just like yeah they're just words aren't they right I love that yeah it's like the shame response lessons yeah 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 absolutely I love that yeah I grew up my my exposure with this was my sister and brother would call me fat cow and like they probably don't even remember and you know they were kids and excuse excuse blah 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 Mm. but you know it stuck with me it was like such a hard word and yeah, it was such a big deal to be able to get to the point where it didn't take me out. It didn't activate me. It didn't send me to an, a shame spiral. And in my case, a binge eating episode, you know? So yeah, that's great. And then, and now, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say often, like I found from people who have used those words towards me that are people that I know and care about, they you they, they have made an assumption that those words didn't hurt me before I was ready for them to not hurt me if that makes sense because oh, yeah. I've had a similar interaction where a j- joke was made by a family member um who genuinely didn't think that those sorts of things bothered me and was really surprised by my reaction yeah. um and some days it doesn't um mm-hmm. so yeah so I think often it doesn't come from a place it comes from they think that you're in on the joke and they don't realize that oh. actually there's a lot of other stuff but like I guess that also is part of the nuance isn't it that's the complicated bit because we are still saying like fat in a positive way is fine but fat when I'm the butt of the joke is never okay so it's sort of yeah it's complicated Mm, it is complicated yeah yeah and so important that's why I like to ask this question because I just feel like we all have such interesting relationships to that word and I think that they're dynamic like I like you said there's still times where that word really just like like twitches my neck the wrong way. And I go, Oh, mm. I don't know. I don't know if this is, I can handle this word in this way. Do you know where I mostly feel it is in medical situations? <laughs> That's where. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, I'm also really curious about the term fat joy, which of course is what this podcast is called. But when you think about 
fat joy as a concept. And, and one of the ways that I've thought about it, one of the reasons why I wanted to just even just have conversations with other fat people doing wonderful things in the world, um, AKA just even living in this world gets to count as a wonderful thing in this world is that idea of how do we find joy when we are constantly marginalized and harmed and traumatized and like the very, you know, furniture itself is often feeling weaponized against us. In the weekend, I went to a couple of new restaurants. And I was like, oh no, I can't. It's just my, my breasts on top of the table. Cause the booth is so narrow. And it's like, I'm just sitting there and I'm just boob. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and it's so. It's funny. You should say that because I've had to move <laughs> around the dining room furniture. So that I've got, we've got four chairs in our dining room yes. and three of them are now like wobbly and a bit broken. There's only one good one so yeah. I had to move the one that I know is comfortable <laughs> and I moved the other one out of the way so I don't accidentally put it where I normally sit and yeah. feel like it's going to break in the morning so right? yeah I could certainly the furniture even in my own home sometimes goes against me I know yes <laughs> <laughs> that feeling well and here's I mean then the thing is it's interesting again this I went to I was away for the weekend so I went to a few different restaurants I went to another restaurant with my partner who is quite tall quite lean and he's first sat in the chair and he's like, oh, these are, those, this doesn't feel stable. And I was so glad he felt it first because of mm. course the fat girl sits in the chair, feels it wobbly. And my still, my still internalized anti-fatness, which I thought every time I think I've like solved it, <laughs> there's another layer yeah. and I sit on the chair and it's wobbly and I'm like, he did it first. It's not the fat girl. And I just had this moment of, oh my God, it's still that thought. It's still there. Yeah. So with all of that, like how, how do we connect to joy? How do we still feel fat joy? And I feel like this is part of, I'm leading into like what you do in the world. Cause I think you do this a lot with your work, but Let's start there. What is that joy for you? The thing that came to me was like, my first thought was about not getting your validation externally, like from people around you, finding that validation from within. So, which does like segue really nicely into talking about how, for me, the thing that brings me joy and makes me feel the most at home in my body is dancing and not necessarily dancing like, I I used to do like ballet and, you know, traditional dancing. I've done street dance, those kinds of things. So dancing as a performance, but actually it's not that that I've discovered. It's not that that's important to me. It's literally just dancing. (laughs) Like I get as much joy from dancing around my kitchen, making up routines whilst cooking the dinner as I do (laughs) taking a class or being on stage. Like I just like the way that my body moves but not necessarily the way that it looks. Sometimes I watch videos back and I'm disappointed with what I see. It's not how I felt like, it's not like how I thought I was moving. So, so I don't look at the videos. I don't uh, look in the mirror necessarily. And then I just get to feel that joyful feeling and not the kind of the extra, because that doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. And other people say, oh, I love watching you dancing. And I think that's enough. Other people enjoy watching me dancing. I enjoy dancing. Why put myself through the bit that I know will make me feel less about that? Um, and it's not about sort of hiding away from from that, um, but focusing less on that, focusing on the bit that feels good and less on the bit that makes you feel less good yeah. um, is what has helped me. Um, mm. And, yeah, not. Um, I think I spent quite a lot of time looking for the criticism looking for the negativity Mm. assuming that people were laughing at me or uh, and I do that less so if I hear somebody laughing or if I hear a comment under someone's breath I now assume that they're talking about somebody else rather than it being it might be about me but I will never know I'm not going to tap them on the shoulder and ask (laughs) so it doesn't matter Right. So I think they're the things like worry less about what other people are thinking and doing and think about more about what I'm thinking and doing and how yeah. that affects how I feel. I mean, yeah. I'm speaking from a place of privilege. Like I appreciate that that may not necessarily be that's easier said than done for uh, in many ways. But yeah, that in a kind of uh, for me, that's it. Looking about what will bring me joy within myself. And for me, that's dancing journaling 
cuddling my kids, uh, watching a comedy show, spending time with my husband. Like those are the things that bring me joy inside my body rather than worrying about what people are thinking that's happening outside. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. Mm. Yes. So you have always loved dance and then you decided to become an entrepreneur and do something with it. So how did, how did that happen? (laughs) I mean, it makes it sound like it was always destined to be, but that was very much not the case. (laughs) Like I, um, I used to dance until I was about, I think maybe about 14, I reckon it was around the point that my friends, um, that I was dancing with, um, we did ballet and it was around the time that the class were going on point, uh, you know, like, you know, the, like the ridiculous point issues. Um, And I can't remember if it was me or if it was my dance teacher or where the decision was made. Um, But I definitely feel like it was my decision. I don't feel like I was made to make that decision, but I decided that it probably wasn't worth messing up my knees and ankles any more than they already were because it was unlikely that I'd be able to make a career from it. Mm. Um, And at that point in the 90s, that was probably very true. So I gave up ballet, but I didn't just give up ballet. I gave it all up, gave up tap, modern and stop dancing completely because that's what you do, isn't it? When you're a teenager, yes. I can't have yes. it all. I won't have any of it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a British phrase, but we say you cut off your nose to spite your face. Do you know yes. what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so I gave it up completely. And then my relationship with moving my body, uh, was very much focused on kind of exercise, uh, for, for health and fitness and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and not about being creative or enjoying moving your body. PE at school, I hated, always hated it. Mm. Um, and that pretty much continued. And I didn't really, like, I didn't really get into kind of like Zumba and those kinds of things until much later. I'd sort of dabbled with going back to doing adult tap dancing for a little while when I was in my 20s. But really just kind of stuff that I felt safe to me I didn't put myself in any kind of risky situations right like uh, you weren't going to the gyms and like dealing with bro culture and stuff like how well, did you know I, I tried I yeah. joined gyms and went this is horrible <laughs> several times yes um so I like tried to um yeah I tried to do all of that but always like it yeah it didn't really feel like I belonged yeah um but then when I found um I say when I found Zumba, it's like I discovered it. I mean, it was everywhere. (laughs) Um, But I had friends who were going to Zumba classes that were sort of like trying to encourage me to go along. And I was really sort of like worried about not being able to keep up, that I wouldn't be able to do the moves and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And so I like made excuses and then didn't go. But we went on um, a holiday to um, somewhere that uh, was away from the local area and there was a Zumba class available there. So I went on my own. So I knew there would be no one there that I knew. And I was able to give it a try without anybody around. Um, And I just loved it. Absolutely Uh, loved it. Um, And so then when I came back, I felt confident that I would be able to do the class without looking silly um, and started going to a class then. And that was kind of like the last time that I started something new, really, like or, Mm. you know, started my fitness regime again. Um, And then slowly over time, my kind of sort of ethos around exercise changed because I was still when I started that time, it was still with the view to change the way that my body looked. Yeah. Um, But over the time that I was kind of increasing my confidence in exercise, um, I also found out about body positivity, fat liberation and all of those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. followed a whole bunch of plus size bloggers uh you know found clothes that fit my body all of those kinds of things so it's sort of like was like a really big sort of yeah change in uh viewpoint really over a few years um I also had my children which I think has quite Mm -hmm. a huge impact on how you view the world and you don't want them to repeat the things that you found challenging like yeah you want to try and save them from some of those and my relationship with food and my relationship with my body was something I really didn't want to pass on to them I wanted to find a way to sort of like break that cycle um and so yeah like lots of things all kind of happened at once so once I'd started to enjoy exercise 
without the idea that it would change my body uh, and like enjoying exercise as a plus size person that seemed like a rare thing that didn't seem to be happening everywhere mm-hmm. so I wanted to try and find a way to share that so I started blogging about it um I'd sort of dabbled in plus size clothes blogging but really sort of like found that this was something that I had a voice I had a, like lived experience of it I um wanted to let other people know that this was possible that you could do this because I hadn't really thought that it was um and through doing that I then became uh, an ambassador for um our basically our local authority has um uh, well it's a national compa- campaign the this girl can campaign is a like a campaign in the UK to encourage inactive women to move more there's all kinds of different parts of it but there's been like tv adverts and that kind of thing um, and our local council had ambassadors so you could apply to be an ambassador to encourage other people to get involved in exercise so I applied for that and became an ambassador still just going to classes but being visible and telling other people that they could do it too Um, and they helped fund my um, part of my qualification to become an instructor so they kind of like helped get me started and I thought well this is an opportunity too good to miss I'll do it see if anybody comes along (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah like the last so that was three years ago my plan was to do it for um like I started in the June and my plan was to do it until the end of the year. And if it didn't pick up, I was going to go back to doing street dance, which is what I was doing mm. immediately before. Uh, but by the end of that year, so the end of 2019, I was, my cl- my first class was full every week. Amazing. So I added a second class and we started doing that in January, 2020, which obviously didn't go for very long. No. Nope. Because by March, <laughs> by March we were indoors. Um, but then uh, that kind of gave me the push to put it online as well um, in order to support my local clients. But actually, it's brought me a whole bunch of new clients from much further afield. Um, and, you know, putting videos on YouTube and that kind of thing has like given me, wow. I've been able to help a lot more people from further afield and show people that it's possible to enjoy movement in their bodies. And some of them have never, ever been to a class Uh, in their entire lives they've always thought that exercise and fitness was not a space where they belonged Um, and just giving them an opportunity to realize that that is possible and to be able to do that from the comfort of your own home and feel part of a group is a really special kind of opportunity that we perhaps weren't uh, able to do before so Yeah. yeah it's sort of almost like the ducks have all finally aligned and you know all the stars have aligned and it's all perfect now but (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing well it's so interesting it reminds me this whole kind of COVID forcing things online reminds me a little bit about you going to take a class in a place you found safe which is like was away from where you were And I feel, I think that's so true for so many people who have complicated relationships with movement, um, where you just kind of want to just try it and being able to do that at home with the video off. Mm -hmm. So I could just participate, but not be seen is such a safety thing. Cause I think, I think safety is such an important part of this aspect of, movement when you are in a fat body or in a plus size body I'm curious what like have people talked to you about that how do you think about safety how do you create safe as possible spaces when we've been so traumatized by wellness culture diet culture like there's so there's so much there yeah, there is so much there. It's like those little like microaggressions that we experience in yeah. fitness spaces. Well, in fact, all spaces. I don't yeah. know why I'm limiting it to fitness spaces. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, my um, clients do talk about it. Like, I know that the hardest moment is getting through the door for the first class. Yeah, I, That was my biggest like mountain. And a lot of my clients have told me that that's the same thing you know they talk about the fact that the hour before they were talking themselves out of it I have a lot of people that I know that if they miss that class that that's going to be the hardest thing and I try to message them and encourage them and all of those sorts of things um sometimes it can take like a long time so they'll book a class you know they'll be all excited that they found this amazing thing that they're going to do but then when it actually comes down to it it can be quite hard to do oh I um, do that all the time I chicken yeah. out all the time and then have to yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, but what the online has offered, and I've had a few where, the, I've, in fact, I've got some that have been coming to my classes for, well, the whole of lockdown, that I've never seen them on video. They've only ever been a name. And I, you know, will talk to them by email often. I don't know what their voices <laughs> sound like, you know, um, but they're still there and part of the part of the community. Um but also I've had some that were interested in coming to classes face to face, sort of chickened out, didn't feel like it was an opportunity that they were able to, you know, take up at that time. But then over lockdown when it was online, started trying the class from home and have now joined us in the hall. Oh, amazing. So um and what um this one particular client that I'm thinking of, what she liked was that she knew already knew the routines when she walked in the room. Oh, she knew that's... what to expect. Yeah. She knew what the steps were. She knew what she couldn't couldn't do. She knew, um, and that that element of it, knowing exactly how the class is going to be because you've seen it. In fact, you've seen the hall from uh, from your home because I do my the same class. I do it in the hall with people and online at the same time. So she knew exactly what to expect. The only bit she didn't know was the drive to the venue and how to get into the venue, but everything else she'd done. Um, And knowing that and knowing that what I would be like, um, how I would be, how I would look, all of those kinds of things contributed to being able to get her from not being able to come to a class to being there. Um, And there's lots of examples like that of people that have come to classes because they either knew me personally, knew of me from what other people have said. Um, And part of that comes from, well, I guess from our own um, sort of anti-fat bias that the assumption that I wouldn't be judging them because of the way my body looked, (laughs) but also that I would have an understanding of what it's like to be in a bigger body. And that is true. Like I know I can recommend where to get good sports bras from for bigger sizes. I understand that my belly will clap when I do a star jump um, and can preempt that for anybody else in the room who may get a belly clap. Like those kinds of things. If you are with a regular sized instructor who doesn't have parts that wobble and clap on their own, (laughs) Um, is much harder for um, them to be able to they can uh, what ends up happening is it feels like they're sympathizing rather than empathizing like oh yeah um, and I think that is that is the difference Um, and that's not I've had some fabulous instructors who have been incredibly supportive in all different shapes and size bodies in fact some of the um, my most recent instructor before I became an instructor is a very very petite small bodied woman um, and is my you know my biggest cheerleader she's uh, really encouraging but when we were like for example looking for costumes for shows and that kind of thing there was a sort of assumption that if you could get it in Primark that we'd all be able to get it right do you have Primark? In we the don't. No, is that like um like a department store? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah, kind of like a cheap um mm. like uh you know you'd be able to get like t-shirts for like very little money like yeah. kind of pocket pocket money yeah. prices you know yeah um but they only stock up to like at most a size twenty twenty two UK so that's what like an eighteen twenty in the US yeah um. Yeah. So at a size 28 or US 26, like mm-hmm. unless it's really stretchy, it's not going to fit. Um, no. So I would end up having to buy stuff yeah. from a, like a plus size men's section in order to have, you know, what for them was like a 10 pound black hoodie. Mine would be like a 30 quid one because it's yeah. the only black hoodie I could get in my Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. And so it's that kind of, and when you try to explain, yeah, but I can't get those things cheaply it seems like you're just like having a whinge (laughs) right yeah there's uh, not a lot of understanding no no No, because you just assume if like a black hoodie you think we would we should all be able to get hold of a black hoodie. i mean we should all be able to get hold of a black hoodie like that but that's i mean that's like thin privilege right to have never had to worry about something like that before and Mm. i mean work trousers rip and you need to go down and buy some like i there's no shops i could go to nope no no yeah I used to travel for business and my biggest nightmare was like if anything happened to my suitcase or the outfits I was wearing I don't I wouldn't be able to go to my meetings because I would not be able to find clothes I mean it was just always have a bra in my hand luggage yes yes 
Oh my God. I've had bras break like mid conference go. And you know, the, my girls need to be supported. They are not like braless boobs. I just, and so, yeah, I know, right. Like it's a business, right? It's not for business. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so interesting. Cause you're reminding me I've taken, I used to be quite athletic. Um, I grew up quite athletic. I was a swimmer. I was always in a bigger body, but, um, I, you know, and as I got older, my body got bigger, mostly because, well, who knows why, but I was still very much on the intentional weight loss train for years. And of course, then I would lose and gain and my body just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, and I, I love relate to that. Yeah. Right. And I, <laughs> and I love movement. I love feeling strong in my body. And every time, um, more as an adult, let's say the last 15 years, I've gone to different classes. <laughs> it's like, Oh God. Like the instructors don't know what to do with my body. Like I've had people stand me up and look at me and be like, all right. And like, they're looking at me going, okay, so for you, and this is in front of a whole class. So for you, Sophia, I think, and then they'll pause maybe like try. And, and I'm sitting there going, Oh my gosh. Like I, it makes me really frustrated. Cause I don't, I, I, it doesn't feel like there is training around how to deal with bigger bodies. It doesn't yeah. feel like there's any kind of accommodation that instructors are taught. Um, it, so yeah. it just, it ends up having me feel, and I imagine others may relate to this even more othered, even more marginalized. So of course I don't want to go to any further spaces. Right. So that's why I was so captivated by what you've created is this, space where people can, there's already an implicit trust because you live in a fat body. I already trust that you are going to know how to help me with my fat body and help Mm -hmm. me find movements that work for me. And it just, it's a totally different feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that we try to do is make sure, I say we, it's me, I try to do, (laughs) um, always in the brand, right? Um, Yeah. It is uh, like we all start with the, um, like, the sort of basic movement. So it's usually steps um, and it's usually just the feet, like no arm movements to begin with. So it's something that, um, you know, every able-bodied person in the class will be able to do. I do do chair-based exercises as well, but oh, I great. do less of them uh, at the moment because I've only just recently qualified for that. Oh, so cool. if we're nice. assuming that it's, we're assuming that most of the participants can stand for the majority of the class. So we start with the the feet movement and it could, it will be something that can be stepped out. There might be an option that you could then sort of you know, add a, a kick or a, a jump or something, but you'd be able to do it without that. Um, and kind of building things up slowly and then adding the arms in as an option rather than a requirement, you know, either do your own arms or add these arms if you want to. Um, and building up like that with the idea that you can also do your own thing means that there's a kind of freedom there to be able to nice. make mistakes um, and mm-hmm. like do something slightly different. And sometimes people do do things in the opposite direction or add a slightly different arm movement or, right. um, you know, like, and being given that kind of invitation that that's okay, rather than what you usually get at the beginning of a class, which is just do what you can. And if you need to modify it, modify it. And you think well, that's sort of your job, mate. Like you tell right? me. Right? Do. You tell me how to modify. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. That's your um, job, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What that's about, what I'm paying you for. Yeah. But you're right about the qualifications. Like the qualifications do not, in my experience in the UK, yeah. for sure do not go far enough to include um how to work with um bigger bodies no. uh at all so unless you have experience of having your own one or somebody in your class that will tell you what works for them and you know all bigger bodies are different too like I'm hypermobile so, so I'm quite bendy other people who come to my class are less bendy mm-hmm. some people's bellies get in the way for certain moves others don't you know like yeah but um an awareness of that comes from being in yeah. a bigger body as well, I think. So yeah, well, like even injuries, you time. add injuries to that, you know, there's so yeah. much variety there. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm curious. I'm really just imagining this space and I, you know, do you find sometimes like, do you, I'm just so curious Do people come have some 
experience with movement that feels so different from anything that they've had before. They connect into a place of joy. And I could just imagine like weeping and just being like, oh, thank every, you know, thank the goddess that I have found something I can do in a not judgmental space. Like, I guess I'm wondering, like, is there a component of what you do that often might feel like, like a bit of like counseling or coaching because people are coming with so much in, yeah. you know, so much really, I'm, we're going to use the word trauma because it is trauma so much oppressive, anti-fatness, fat phobia, trauma and jo- and, and movement has been often used as a tool to harm fat people. Right. Mm -hmm. So then what happens, and I notice this in myself because I'm very just rebellious by nature. So when movement was used almost weaponized, then now I'm like, well, fuck that. I don't want to do the movement, you know? And then, and I'm like, no, but hang on. Then they're still winning because now I'm like, it's a real mind. It really messes with people's minds I expect people to be curious and to be like questioning what I'm saying like I don't yeah I don't expect people to believe me because like I mean or any one of us that has been to any kind of exercise class that promised a change in our bodies Mm -hmm. has been lied to yeah probably multiple times has probably been to a class where they've been shouted at or um Mm -hmm. like shamed supposedly for our own good because you know that's going to help you know think the biggest loser kind of style workout the worst Um, like we've been through that so of course as the next thing on the market people should be like should be questioning whether or not this is right for them and whether or not I'm just another person that's here to sell them something um and in fact I quite like it when people are Mm. sort of a little bit unsure what I like is when I look up in a class and I can see the kind of really relaxed look on their face either Mm. a kind of like curious sort of frown where they're trying to get their head around the moves but um not masking something you know, like a genuine, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Or or like a genuine smile, like when you can see them, or like when they get just a little bit sassy, particularly if they've not been coming for very long and they've been quite reserved. It's just lovely when you see like suddenly they know the moves and they're just putting their own kind of stamp on it. Like, I love not, that. Like, very subtly. It won't be like, you know, it's very rare that you'll get something massively flamboyant. So I've not had people cry, but you definitely see a kind of relief. And I get a lot of messages afterwards where people will say, thank you so much, and will tell me how this has differed from their previous oh. usually harrowing experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh. and, it's not, and it's not specifically just for plus size people either like I've got people of all different body shapes and sizes some with body image issues in much smaller bodies some with um uh, issues related to being older or um having mental health issues or um some who literally just come with their come with their mum because I thought it would be accessible for their mum to come along and they have felt the benefit of being able to move in a different way that has given them some sort of something that they weren't expecting. So it doesn't, it has been a real kind of much broader appeal than I had originally thought. Yeah. Um, That's wonderful. Uh, but you know, yeah. everyone's welcome and it's been a, yeah. a great opportunity to meet a real variety of people. And it's always interesting when I get a new query. So I had somebody that messaged that was like, is there much jumping? And you kind mm. of assume that somebody who's got, um, you know, not very good knees or uh, or low levels of fitness, but actually, it was the idea that they had they had a weak bladder, so they were oh right, don't want to pee themselves. Of course, <laughs> so it of hadn't course. hadn't really like <laughs> crossed my mind, and I was like, yeah, no, you'll be fine. You literally can do the entire class without jumping. Like there are jumping yeah. options available if you fancy them. Um, and I do sometimes say like, oh, why don't you, if you've been coming for a while, why don't you just pop in one star jump? <laughs> um, you can do it when you're facing the back. No one will be looking. <laughs> and those kinds of things. And that's always nice when you then spot those little things, when people are just sort of testing the water. Yes, the idea. A little um, challenge for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like You don't have to do all of them, but if you just fancy it, <laughs> pop one in there somewhere along the line. And those kinds of little things um, make it sort of, 
kind of playful but not in a competitive way like nobody's counting how many star jumps anyone's doing or Mm -hmm. if people are doing half jacks rather than full star jumps like nobody cares as long as we're all uh, moving getting a little bit sweaty usually because that's sort of like the reason most people feel that they should be moving um you know as long as we get that and we leave with a smile on our face like that's all you need really that's perfect oh I love (laughs) it so much um Becky I'm super curious like what is and this might be not related to the work that you do I'm just gonna ask and keep it pretty open like what do you feel is the most challenging thing that you face right now well (laughs) 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 where do I start now Um, so I think for me so as well as doing my work as an instructor I'm also part of um fitness professionals against weight stigma and we're uh, an organization that um it's basically a group of fitness instructors who have kind of gathered together to create a community where we can support each other in this weight neutral haze aligned health every size aligned kind of way of working um some of us are plus size not everybody is um um and it's about kind of sort of changing uh like realizing that together we have got a strength in numbers and I think that's the same both in fitness spaces across the body positive fat liberation world um but also in the fitness industry and our kind of what we want is for our way of working to not just be a niche of the fitness industry for it to be a more accessible option across the board yes so for me the biggest challenge is not necessarily like if you want to find a weight neutral health at every size aligned a personal trainer fitness instructor there are plenty particularly if you're willing to consider online options like there's loads of options about there around there but what is lacking is that you can't necessarily go to your local community gym or leisure center fitness space and say i don't want to talk about weight loss and for that to be understood and uh not argued with it yeah <laughs> And that's the bit that needs to change. So it's almost like a kind of, it should be part of the qualifications is what it should be. But in the meantime, we're working on kind of like introduction to weight stigma style training. And there's also Louise Green is working on size inclusive training. I love her. I've done boxing classes with her. She's fantastic. She is fabulous. Yeah. So there are things, there are training options that are there. And her course is both for people that are already working in a weight neutral way, but also fitness professionals who might want to unlock that part of the market that they're currently turning away and not even knowing why that's, that's a thing. So um, the work that Louise is doing, the work that we're doing, there are other organizations doing similar things, but I feel like that is the biggest thing. So it's not about my impact on my local community necessarily, which is like, I'm not, devaluing the work that I'm doing for the people Mm. that I work with but that offer that availability of service should not be a niche product to find it should be available to everybody so you go to a fitness professional if you want to do the weight loss stuff like and they want to sell you that that's great that's fine that's up to you you that's your business Um, but if you go to a fitness professional and ask to be to not discuss weight or to have weight related goals that should be respected and should not be mentioned again um and that shouldn't be too much to ask so no but you're finding it is I feel (laughs) that's a huge thing but it should be fairly simple to to solve um and I hadn't really thought that that would be part of my job when I first started out training as a fitness instructor but when you kind of have a little bit of a voice and people do pay attention and you can get in front of people where there is an opportunity to have an influence, it would be like a missed opportunity and unethical to not like make the most of that opportunity. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. It's about like it's great that we've got this kind of growing, uh, you know, community and growing options but we need the baseline to include these options for everybody yeah absolutely yeah well it's so interesting to think about you're right it that should be a really simple thing to do but the problem is it's it's requiring a systemic level change of thought 
Mm. you know, and, and it's so hard for people when they're so, um, embedded in, in diet culture. So I'm so glad there's, there are people out there doing that work and, and I mean, it is, it is happening though. Like, I mean, it is happening. I think it's going to be very slow, but when you, and I think the problem is that with every step we take, diet culture kind of co-opts the language and yep. sort of tries to use it to sell its own products. Yeah. But people are becoming more wise to the alternatives. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, like we were saying earlier, the idea that it may not be the next generation, but, you know, we've learned a lot from what our parents new and their parents before them so things are changing and people are becoming wise to it um so hopefully things will change eventually Mm -hmm. I know I just think about how much like you said as well like how much your thought process changed in you know I don't know maybe a decade and I certainly experienced the same so that there is it can be done and there is a lot of hope so I'm so glad to hear that you're doing that work yeah. And it's not a switch. It's something that takes time and yeah. you have to invest in reading the books, listening to the podcasts. Yeah. Following like, the people. Yeah. yeah. And you won't, necessarily agree, yeah, you won't necessarily agree with every part of it at all times, but there yeah. will be elements that, you know, add to your experience rather than taking away from it. And I feel like that's one of the things like when you think about things like intuitive eating and all of those kinds of ideas it's not about taking things away it's about what can you add in to make things feel more you know textured in life what will give you and it's the joy element again isn't it what can I add and then that the other things will slip away rather than the other way around and I think you almost need that at a systemic level not just as individuals right yeah yeah well I guess it starts with us though it kind of it really starts that at the individual level and then we influence Mm. up yeah um we're going to wrap up in a second, but I just wanted to invite you. Is there, do you have a piece of wisdom that you'd like to share? Is there anything that feels like it's such a core truth for you in how to live with joy in this world? I think the one that I keep coming back to, and it's a piece of advice that was given to me, um, by somebody who I admired and looked up to Mm. um and they I was like you know how do you get to be so confident how do you get to do this and what they told me was you fake it till you make it now I know that is like an old adage but I honestly think you have to practice these skills and if you hold your head up and try the thing that you think you aren't confident in doing every time you do it you chip away at that kind of negative self-talk talk Mm -hmm. talk, and it becomes easier each time and like we were talking about podcasts you know like or teaching exercise classes all of those things were scary and daunting and felt impossible at one point Um, and now I can do both of those things almost with my (laughs) eyes closed I mean I won't because I might might trip up but um <laughs> like with practice it becomes easier and I can uh you know like if you tell yourself that you're capable of doing these things it becomes easier for me some of that is journaling it's remembering the things mm. that I am grateful for the things that I've done that I'm proud of um, and when you look back at that list you think about those things rather than if I wrote a list of all of the times I've been annoyed with myself like yeah. you know you can, you can <laughs> that that um, can be going there in the brain but yeah my it would be fake it till you make it and it's not about being disingenuous it's about practicing being the person that you want to be and it will like that will start to feel like it fits more the more that you practice it I love that yeah and it's so true and and it is it that is supported by neuroscience I mean I have a I'm a neuro I have a neuroscience coaching background and like that's such a core that principle of neuroplasticity which is the same as very similar to like when you do a movement over and over again Mm. it gets stronger it gets easier it gets there's more there's more dynamism I guess would be the word and the same is with our brain and so that fake it to you make it is so legit <laughs> so yeah, absolutely I love that that's beautiful thank you Becky um 
I want to, yeah. Thank you for being here. This was so much fun to talk to you. I absolutely am going to sign up for a class. Um, and I would love to, I mean, I'm in Canada, so I can't be in person, but it'd be neat. I love the idea of doing a class where some of us are online, a bunch of you are in your studio and we get to all feel that sense of community and joy. So there's, looking there's forward to it as well. So you can sign up and um, not be at the live class and then you'll be sent a recording afterwards. Oh, perfect. And we do some Sometimes talk to the people in the future that will be watching oh. it later. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we don't wait for a reply, obviously, but you know, so, I love that. So it is possible. But thank amazing. you so much, Sophia, for having me. It's been mm-hmm. a real pleasure. I think we probably could have talked for hours. Right? But. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, so many other things to talk about. Maybe a second one, maybe a part two. <laughs> thank you, Becky. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is about, expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Today's poem is called Bonfire Opera, and it's by Danusha Lamaris. In those days, there was a woman in our circle who was known not only for her beauty, but for taking off all her clothes and singing opera. And sure enough, as the night wore on and the stars emerged to stare at their reflections on the sea, and everyone had drunk a little wine, she began to disrobe, loose her great bosom and the tender belly, pale in the moonlight, the Viking hips, and to let her torn raiment fall to the sand as we looked up from the flames. And then a voice lifted into the dark, high and clear as a flock of blackbirds. And everything was still, the way the congregation quiets when the priest prays over the incense and the smoke wafts up into the rafters. I wanted to be that free inside the body, the doors of pleasure opening one after the next, an arpeggio climbing the ladder of sky. And all the while, she was singing and wading into the water until it rose up to her waist and then lapped at the underside of her breasts. And the aria drifted over us, her soprano spare and sharp in the night air. And even though I was young, somehow in that moment, I heard it, the song inside the song. And I knew then that this was not the hymn of promise, but the body's bright wailing against its limits, a bird caught in a cathedral, the way it tries to escape by throwing itself again and again against the stained glass. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on the website at www.fatjoy.life, and on Patreon at patreon.com fatjoy. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. Talk again soon.